Hey everyone, welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. My name is Andrew Kaplan, and I'm the host of the How I Got Here series. How I Got Here series is where we take a break from the tactics and teardowns, and instead, talk to the growth leaders to hear about the people behind the numbers. So we're gonna hear about their journeys in the growth, how they've navigated their careers, and of course, a few of the mistakes along the way so that we can all apply those learnings into our own individual journeys. Today, I am super excited to be chatting with a friend, a colleague, someone I look up to, Anuj Adia. Anuj is currently the VP of Growth at Sophia. He's also the author of Growth Hacking for Dummies. He's literally wrote the book. And amongst other gigs, worked directly with Sean Ellis at growthhackers.com as a director of engagement and analytics for a couple of years. Uh, so I'm super excited to dig in with Anuj, someone I've known for a few years at this point. We have geeked out several times about growth, but I've never heard your story. So I'm excited to dig in. Great to be here. And I'm really glad you're doing the people behind growth because I think understanding motivations is possibly the foundation of all things growth, whether it's personal or professional. Totally, man. And as you know, everyone who works in growth for a substantial amount of time has like a really unique background and perspective and different journey to get to where they are today. And so as I've just gotten to know more people that work in growth, I've just learned how interesting their stories are. And so I'm excited to learn more about them and then also share it with, you know, with the world. Yeah. So true to form, my path to growth starts completely or what it might seem initially as a completely what the hell direction uh, because <laughs> I have two master's degrees, uh, one in chemistry and one in biochemistry. and for the first part of my career, I had a role doing second-level field support for a medical device company in Western Massachusetts. And you know, medical devices are the kinds used in NICUs or in labs. So if you've ever seen the instruments they use in the, the, the CSI series, sure. they make those sorts of things. So side note, the instruments they used in those series were that of our biggest competitor. So I think <laughs> somebody in marketing got fired over that one. <laughs> given how popular those were. And that role then evolved into a process improvement role where I actually started a Sigma project within the company to get my green belt, which I did not complete because I joined Growth Hackers in the middle of it. Cool. But that was not an intentional move. It was one of those moments when you're in a job and you feel like, I'm not feeling this thing anymore, but there's a level of uncertainty. I don't know what I want to do next. Yeah. And it felt that maybe I want to do this starting up thing. Yeah. At that point, not knowing anything about it and literally started from scratch, uh, did discovered that this marketing thing is important when you want to build something. So started digging more into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that time, I was shortlisting content that I thought was super actionable. Is this how your journey started? Like, so you're saying that in college, you were headed down a completely different path. Yes. And <laughs> the nuance here is that, so I grew up in India, right? And in, and in India, the academic path you take sort of gets set pretty early in life and you have very little opportunity to deviate from it. And the educational system is a little bit different and which is why I have two master's degrees and not one because I got one there and I got one here. Just because you had to align the number of years you've been educated before you can jump into a master's program here. Oh. And I never really enjoyed science. In fact, and, and I made it clear to all of my teachers in India that 
I'm literally doing this because I have to. I genuinely hate this. I'm the worst scientist there is. I have no curiosity about this, or at least that's what I was thinking sure. and verbalizing. And they knew it and you know, treated me appropriately you know, with the amount of attention you know, that I told them I should be getting. And so subconsciously, I was always looking for a way out. Hmm. And this support role that I started doing was my first step out of it because the company was a science-based company because that's what the instruments did. But the group I joined was support. So that meant you had to know things about operating systems and databases. And you had to understand how the software product worked and even how the hardware worked. So that when an engineer called in, you could then make a determination of, hey, is it a hardware issue? Is it a software issue? Is it an operating system issue? Is it a user issue? Is it a science issue? So having understood the science allowed me to be on a team where I was really dealing more with the technology behind the science rather than the science itself. But knowing that bit was important. And it's easier to teach people with science backgrounds IT than it is the other way around. And is this your first job, Anish? This was my first job. This wow. was during the dot-com bust of 2001. So I was bloody lucky to have that job. Wow. So you literally graduated college. You've got your two masters. You have a degree in science. You graduate. You know you're not looking to do science. You get into tech support or support at a tech company with a science background. Like That's essentially how you got started. Yep. Yeah. And that's when the opportunity for later in that gig, this whole process improvement thing started happening. So I'm now, a, and I didn't realize it till much later in life, what a process junkie I am. Sure. And, and which is why I gravitated so much to the whole Six Sigma way of doing things. And which was, again, that inherent thought of, I need to get out of this science thing as much as I can. And so this was me taking another step in that direction. But even then, there's just the level of dissatisfaction. With, I didn't feel like I was really doing something I truly enjoyed. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's maybe true of many people who are just not as happy doing what they do is in this, okay, maybe I want to do something on my own. And so that's where that thought of starting up on my own came from. Cool. Which you know, led to all of this research on, so, you know, hey, there's marketing and there's product and there's all these other things. Yeah. And so, I mean, looking back on it now, so how did you start to transition from this support role into this world of marketing and then eventually growth, this cross-functional space? Like, how did that transition start looking back? Yeah. So it was very serendipitous and amazingly enough, thanks to Twitter. Huh. Twitter changed my life. Like, I think this is the only tool I would actually pay it for if they stopped making it free. <laughs> and so as I was researching all of this, what do you need to start up? Of course, you encounter the usual kind of 50 marketing leaders you must follow. And at, this, at this point, Anuj, are you thinking about starting your own company or joining? Yeah, totally. So I was with a friend. We, we had an idea that we wanted to do something. We want to tackle a really big problem. Again, not knowing anything about how to even go about it. Like words like MVP were foreign, like literally, like I don't come from this world. Yeah. Yeah. You were just, so, just reading and trying to educate yourself and just yeah. gobbling it up basically. Right. Cool. And when this first aha moment, if you will, of, oh, you need to know something about distribution and how do you get it into people's hands happened was when I went into, okay, so who knows about this stuff that I think I can learn from? And I saw these lists and of course there were these Twitter lists of people you could follow and 
serendipitously, Sean Ellis was one of them. He was literally the one of the first people really evangelizing what is now growth, but sort of evangelizing a different decision-making method, right? Sort of how it started. Exactly. And, and he started doing this around 2012 was when he was really start, starting to become more public about this. Yeah. And timing-wise, I discovered Sean maybe beginning 2013. So when he was, I think his public profile itself was you know, getting really high at that point as well. And what kinds of stuff was Sean talking about at that point? So you discovered him, like, do you, or, you know, you found out about his content through Twitter, but like, do you remember the kinds of things that he was evangelizing at that point? Yeah. So the one thing that stood out most was his focus on systems and process. Yeah. Because there was so much, and still is today, so much content on the tactical things. And his entire philosophy at that point seemed to be not only holistic, but also extremely qualitative in its approach, Mm -hmm. which is something I hadn't quite seen anywhere else. So he was always about understand your users, figure out why they want to do what they do. Because, you know, even today, everybody throws around the Dropbox example of the referral program. But that's not something that he dreamed up. In fact, he did not dream it up. It's something that came from the team that they tested. But there were hundreds of tests that happened before that to lead them to the insight. And maybe this is something that might work. Yeah. And so he was the first person I came across that focused so much on talk to your users and understand why they want to do what they do and what they truly derive value from, because that is what you want to double down on. Yeah. And not to say that all the other stuff that people, other people might've been talking about wasn't useful, but I remember this being one of those unique characteristics of what he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And I think that that part of the reason why I got interested in doing this podcast and chatting with folks like yourself, because there's so much content around the wins and the hacks and the technology that you can do to extend this flow and tack a bubble or pop up onto that or use some bot to automate, yada, yada. And like that stuff works. But the only reason why it works is because there's some smart system behind it where there's a bunch of inputs and a million bad ideas. And then somebody's smart figuring out how to comb through those bad ideas and figure out which ones are the right ones to do and which ones to throw away and what success looks like. And to your point, it's about the systems and the process the system to find the right answer, not the cheat code. 100%. But even then, right? and maybe this is true today for sure, but there was certainly way more nebulousness then about what is this growth hacking thing? Yeah, yeah. Like, is it the same thing as conversion rate optimization? Is it just a fancy word for something else? Like, we don't know. But I think therein was the excitement that there may be something else here or, or a different way for us to either think about things or for those that were already doing this to maybe give them a common language to describe what they were doing. And I think that was, to me, the genius of branding it as growth hacking because it was just controversial enough that people would have opinions on both sides. And, you know, in Sean's book, the greatest sin would have been if everybody was meh about it, (laughs) right? So it's actually a good thing that there is debate. That's cool. around it because that's what keeps it alive. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool perspective. And it's like how he validates the messaging and the market and all that is how you get the reactions. And so how does your journey to Growth Hackers fit into this story? Because you worked there for a long time. Did that 
happen sequentially or did you follow Sean from a distance and try your own startup? Like, tell me more. What, what happened after this? Yes. So as I was learning more about, okay, how do you validate ideas and thinking and trying to learn about, so when do I do marketing and just trying to understand more about this? The day my life changed, like literally, this is a fork in the road, was September 30th, 2013. You remember the date? I remember the date because that was the one and only time that Sean tweeted about, hey, we've got this new thing called Growth Hackers. Just come check it out. He never did a LinkedIn update. He never anywhere else. This was the one and only time. And you can go back and look on Twitter. This is the only time he did this. And of the thousands of tweets I could have seen on that day, that was the one I saw. And I clicked through. And at that time, it felt like people were discussing the same kinds of things I was using to educate myself. So I saw people talking the same content pieces that I had bookmarked, people had submitted and were taking that even further. Yeah. And to be very honest, when I first saw Growth Hackers, my first thought was not, oh, cool community, I should go join this. I was like, this is great. I'm going to use this site like my social bookmark. Instead of hoarding my own content, I'm going to throw it out there. These bigwigs will discuss it, and I'm going to get like free knowledge out of this thing. It's going to be great. Oh, you were thinking, hey, I'm just going to post the questions that I've gotten. Somebody way smarter than me will just fill in what they have already learned. Right, because I know Jack about this stuff. Right, right. right, right. <laughs> or not even engage. I had zero intention of engaging. I just wanted to post the content and get sort of the free information that was going to flow as a result of it. That's all I wanted out of it. And at this point in time, the folks who are pioneering what has now become this space of growth. Is this during like the Facebook growth team heyday? Is, is it that era? Yes, absolutely. So I think this is also when I think, you know, all the superstars you heard about, whether it's, you know, the Josh Elmans and the Andy Johns of the world, and, you know, all the big names, the James Couriers, uh, the ba- Brian Balfour's uh, time at HubSpot, like all of this was happening around then. Cool. Right? So this was great. And there were already some big names because Sean knows what he's doing. So he made sure that the first people in were very high quality, which great lesson for anybody trying to build a social product or a community, you know, get high quality people that will attract everybody else in first. <laughs> and the community um, is small, so you can interact directly with these. Exactly. Companies. Right. Exactly. And th- that, what you just said, didn't strike me till later. Mm. Because what started happening is as I started posting this content, and getting ready to sit back and just enjoy the fruits of just doing that little bit of labor, people like Sean start saying, thank you. This was a great read. I learned something from this. Here was my takeaway. You know, What was yours? And I'm like, oh, shit. Now I got to go and read this stuff. because <laughs> you know, I need to have something intelligent to say. <laughs> but there was this dopamine hit, right? Of That if a big name like Sean or whoever would actually appreciate this rando nobody just posting what he thought was whatever you know, good content. Like I'd never experienced that before. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Right? And of course, then I wanted more of that. Right? And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to just start throwing shit in, like, you know, left, right, and center. Right? right. You've got access to this almost secret knowledge well that yeah. other people just don't know about. And you're like, hey, I'm just going to squeeze this lemon for every drop it's got. Completely. <laughs> right? And so... Again, it was just serendipity that I had maybe 50 to 100 pieces of really high quality content bookmarked at that time. And so I was throwing in like three, four pieces of content a day, 
right? Just because I'm like, okay, just give me those hits. I like, you know, and it becomes a habit after a while, right? Because you just have all this content to cycle through and, you know, and then you're like, oh shit, I'm getting close to the end of what I already have. I'm going to find more stuff to throw in there. And so before you know it, I am the most active member on Growth Hackers. Wow. Which, you know, coincidentally is something they need. Like any community needs upfront are just, you know, enthusiastic people who don't need prodding. And I know they see it, they love it, they want more of it, they can't get enough of it. You know, and I was clearly getting benefit from it as well. So, you know, talk about like product market fit for me. Like I'm like right there. Yeah. <laughs> and like Growth Hackers became the first site I went on to every morning because I'm like, okay, I'm going to post this today. And uh, I would start to see spam on the site because, you know, the site was growing in popularity at that time. Even a few months in, lots of people were coming in. People were seeing, oh, this is a great source of traffic and there's high quality people here. And, you know, of course, the spammers will sniff out wherever there's opportunity. And so I would email them every day or, you know, DM them every day on Twitter. Hey, there's spam on your homepage. You need to get that off. Or, you know, feedback on, I wish I could do this. Like, just proactively. And who was the team? Like, who were you emailing at this time? Is it basically like Sean and a developer? No. So, Growth Hackers actually started out as a passion project for Sean. He just wanted a place to nerd out. <laughs> and all the existing channels weren't quite doing it for him. So, he said, I'm just going to start my own. Because at that time, he had another startup called Kualaru. Right, which was the pop-up widgets on the site and those nudges. Yeah, which we used. I've used that product in several companies, yeah. Right, and so Qualaroo was already 15 people at that point in time. This was just a thing he wanted to do on the yeah. site. And so there were maybe four or five people who would do growth hackers for a few hours a day. But I think Sean and the team quickly realized that you can't do this a couple hours a day. And Sean would tell the story of how he was on vacation with his family in Hawaii on the beach and he was on Growth Hackers, you know, <laughs> engaging with whoever was on there. And it just became this regular thing, right? And where just as a function of showing up every day, I would read everything on Growth Hackers. So you were just ingesting insane amounts of high-quality content. Exactly. And I literally became the living brain of Growth Hackers for a while because I knew everything that had ever been posted. Because I'd read most of it. Yeah, yeah. For all the high quality stuff. And that what that started to enable for me, even as somebody who knew nothing about all of this and was still just embracing all of this conceptually, like just at an intellectual level, that I could start to connect dots that other people could not, just as a function of exposure, right? So if somebody posted something, I could say, hey, related article, link to that article. Ah, I see. Okay. Right? Or people post something, I'm like, oh, this is complementary to this. So if you look at both of these, you know, you get A plus B equals C, right? And so just as a function of being there and time spent, even though I knew nothing about growth, I could begin to contribute in ways other people could not. And it was all that was doing was connecting dots that other people may be missing. And reading everything, right? And ingesting it, not just liking something and moving on or resharing something that you saw, but like truly reading and ingesting the content and a lot of it. Yeah. Though the one thing I didn't realize then was that reading is not enough. Because mm. I hadn't really gotten my fingers dirty with anything. Right. It's all, it's all classroom knowledge at that point. Exactly. Yeah. And that was also part of the problem then is like I didn't know how or where or when to get my hands dirty. Sure. 
I think that's what a lot of growth people struggle with, especially junior ones, right? They read these articles, they see a keynote speech. It sounds good on paper. They take a bunch of notes, but then they try to figure out how to apply it. So what'd you do? So what I started to discover very quickly was that, and this was something Sean was saying or trying to say as much as he could at that time was, look, none of this growth stuff matters till you have something worth growing, right? You have to have validated it to pour gas on it, right? So that message started coming through to me a little bit. So I'm like, okay, I'm trying to do this other startup thing on the side, but I can't yet apply a lot of this knowledge. It was just too soon. Yes. Yeah. And this was sort of one of those personal, you know, I look at it in retrospect as a personal failure as to not taking what I'd learned and not just trying to look at it through the context of this startup thing that I was trying to do. Because, and, and again, this just may not be apparent to people starting out that the principles are universal and you can apply it to anything. And so I could very well have taken the position of saying, you know, screw the startup thing. Um, if even if we take the construct of the R funnel to start with, right, which was so popular, still is popular, and try to have experimented for myself just to, okay, you know, let me put up a, like a web page of some sort, right? Can I get people to sign up for whatever this fictitious product is? Doesn't even have to be real. How would I do that? And just the process of thinking through and understanding, well, what's my next problem? If I can get people to the page, then what? And if I can get them to fill out the form, what would I like to happen next? And what's the, you just start thinking through it. Right. And that thought never entered my mind because for whatever reason, I was still so focused on this thing that I thought I wanted to do versus trying to learn more about the principles of what could work, even if it was an early product. Mm -hmm. Because even with an early product, I'd still have to find people who might resonate with it. Like, how would I go about doing that? And to your point, like once I got them, what would I want them to do next with this? How would I extract any insights from them? Yeah. And so I look at that as a lost opportunity for myself. But I lucked out because two years of hanging out on Growth Hackers where I'm, you know, and there was a running joke until Sean met me in person because he came to speak at Inbound, I think in 2014. And until then, there was a running joke at Growth Hackers that I'm a robot. I'm not really real because there's no way I could know so much about Growth Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> and I recall very soon after that, because I'd continued to you know, give them feedback really regularly and tell them there's spam here, there's this, you know, this person is the person you should watch out for or whatever. And I remember, I still have the email. They sent me this email, which basically boiled down to stop emailing us. Here's a moderator login, do whatever you want. Like, but just please stop emailing us. <laughs> like, and do whatever you want because you can do everything but destroy the site. So it's fine. Go for it. Super cool. And so it was a very organic evolution of that relationship. Even though I wasn't on the team, I was basically on the team. And a year off that, and it was sort of becoming really stupid at that point. And I had seen that Sean had posted a few months before we, I had a conversation with him about hey, they were looking for some sort of community person. Right? And I'm like, great, I'm, I can't wait to ha- for you to have a community person because right? <laughs> then that person would be full-time yeah. and I could engage with them. And a couple months went by and I pinged Sean and I'm like, what happened to that community person? He's like, oh no, I changed my mind because you know, we're pursuing some other opportunities. And of course I had to ask, so what, what is that? He's like, oh, we're thinking of this new product, which is now experiments, which started out as, canvas and became projects and north star right yeah and 
he was like, I think there's an opportunity for a very different kind of role, which bridges the gap between product and community. And so we started talking about this and um, so we were geeking out about it. And so he was like, so why do you ask? I'm like, maybe I could do this thing, right? Literally not knowing what I was saying at that point. Yeah. Because anything I knew was still more community focused than anything else. And so he sits back, thinks about it, and launches into another conversation about, okay, how could this role work? And this was in April of 2015. And we talked for about an hour and a half, which was literally meant to be a 15-minute conversation about, hey, what happened to this community person? And he was like, okay, let's sleep on this. Let's talk tomorrow. And you still feel good about this. I still feel good about this. Let's do it. Cool. And 24 hours later, I had an offer to join Growth Hackers. (laughs) You know what's crazy? I've never told you this, but I remember... So I also hung out on Growth Hackers around this time. 2015, I had just left HubSpot. I was at a small startup, which much later got acquired by Rapid7 here in Boston. And I remember seeing either an email or a post on Growth Hackers that was announcing that you were joining the team. Right. I, I mean, I didn't know you. That was before you and I had met each other. Yeah. I remember seeing it and just, you know, I was hanging out on the site like you were, but I was probably lurking, you know, not providing right. enough value and just reading everything that smarter people wrote because I was too, you know, I wasn't, on the, I wasn't doing that type of work just yet. I was just learning about it like yourself. And I remember seeing the announcement and going, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I remember that post as well because there were a lot of people saying, wasn't he already on the team? <laughs> like, totally. Know? That's exactly how I remember it. Right. So, yeah. But I'll be honest, I was, I was a bit scared to join you know, for a couple of reasons. You know, one is, I mean, this is Sean freaking Ellis, right? I mean, you know, and I'm a rando nobody. So I'm like, what the hell is like, you know, I, I just didn't know what to expect out of this thing, right? Yeah. Like, this is the kind of stuff that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> and the second bit to which I verbalized to Sean was, I'm like, which was exactly like, I don't know anything about this growth stuff. Like I've just read whatever's on Growth Hackers, right? And his insight was that you know more about growth than most people practicing growth today. And the reason for that is that you have a science background. And if there's one thing the science background teaches you is it's experimentation and it's holistic thinking. And so you understand that there's cause and effect. And you understand that if you're going to try something out, you need a very discrete hypothesis to be testing. And then you know there are results to look for and conclusions and next steps that come out of that. The irony, right? You talked about how you were trying to get away from science, but really that background is what you know kind of gave you a leg up when it came to the method and the approach for growth. Exactly, which was one of those, I literally had that head slapping moment. Like I've been trying to run away from this thing my whole life. And now this is the reason I have this awesome gig. That's cool. <laughs> right. And also sort of makes me a little bit sad that there's all these people who have science backgrounds who don't know that there's a viable career in growth waiting for them if they just knew about it. <laughs> right? And so that was sort of really eye-opening for me that even the first experiment doc that I used at Growth Hackers because you know, North Star or Projects or Canvas, whatever it was, wasn't yet a thing. It was literally a green color Trello at that point. <laughs> yeah. and my first experiment doc was the same one I used in chem lab in, in high school. Wow. Because it's exactly the same thing. Right. You know, the same areas to fill out, the same high-level themes that you want to think about beforehand, the hypothesis, what success looks like, what your approach is going to be, 
how you're going to apply rigor, all that stuff, right? Right. And so just him helping me shift that context that I know the process. I'm just applying it to a different context. What mm. was immensely insightful uh, for, for me to alleviate some of that fear or even potentially making it harder for myself because there's so much jargon that gets thrown about, right? That people think it's maybe this new thing and I need to learn all these new tactics and, you know, whatever it is, but it's not because quite literally all of us know how growth hacking works because we've all, you know, done chem lab in, in school. So we all know this process. <laughs> right. So in retrospect, we all have had, well, assuming everyone who goes to some level of science classes, like what we're talking about, chemistry, right. technology, et cetera, has got a little bit of a background in this that starts at a young age when it's still fun. And it's, well, maybe it's not so fun when you're documenting yeah. that stuff in chem lab, but uh, in theory, it can be applied to a lot more fun problems, I guess, is kind of how you uh, connected the two. Right. And uh, from then on, it was boot camp <laughs> literally every day because if Sean is about anything, it's about test, test, test. Yeah. And you know, we would run three tests a week minimum. And I was there about four years. So that is a crap load of tests. We had maybe two weeks in the middle where we didn't run any tests because we were moving the site you know, to a custom built platform. Because Growth Hackers was, was more people don't know, was actually built on WordPress with oh, wow. just a little skin on it. There was yeah. nothing fancy about it. <laughs> cool. So you're layering on these tests, you're running tests, you're learning stuff, creating more engagement. I would imagine that this is a time in your life that as you look back on it was a time full of immense professional and probably some personal growth as well, just as you're leveling up. Uh, yes. And while the professional growth was understandable, because as I was telling you before, where I hadn't gotten my hands dirty, now they were fully in the mud all the time. Yeah, so you're probably loving it. Right. And half shit scared that Sean was going to fire my ass because this is, you know I didn't quite know what I was <laughs> doing. Yeah, but he was like remarkably patient <laughs> with me, which is great. But on a personal level, there was a lot of learning. And this actually got solidified later in life where I finally had a system to think about it. But you need a certain temperament to be in a growth role. Now, that temperament can either be natural or you can be trained and become sort of self-aware and learn to be in that mode. And, and I'm more in the latter mode. And part of that is because my previous job that I left for Growth Hackers was a more, let's say, passive role, not a decision maker sort of role. And so there wasn't much proactivity demanded in that role. Can you expand on that a little bit more? It's actually one of the things I was curious to get your take on. So obviously you worked at Growth Hackers directly, you know, got to work with Sean, got to work on a million different projects, but you've gone on to lead growth at a few different startups. Like, what do you think are the most important skills that are critical for someone to be successful as a growth leader? Yeah. So I love that you brought this up because everything that people say is all anecdotal. And if you think about it, for a field that is so obsessed with data, there is very little data on what makes for a great growth person. Everything you, you read is, oh, they need to be analytical. Oh, they're also creative. There's, there's a wonderful mixture of left brain and right brain and all the usual cliches. Right. But it's just a bunch of words. It's hard to apply. Right. Yeah. There's literally no data. So, And this struck me when I was writing the book. Mm. Like There's this giant hole here because I was trying to answer this exact same question. And I thought like interviewing people would be eh, okay. 
And it just was just fortuitous that at that time, I was at uh, this company called the Predictive Index. Mm. And the Predictive Index is, is a wonderful, fascinating tool. And I think I made you take the assessment as well for this book. You did, If yeah, I'm not did. mistaken. Yeah. Right. So that was me trying to get data on what are the patterns of great growth people. And uh, this, I think that research that I, that I did is maybe still the only piece of objective research that exists on characteristics of great growth leads right now. And so what I was able to actually quantify now is that you need a few different behaviors expressed. And some of them are maybe harder skills. Some of them are maybe softer. But at the top level, I think the best growth people are very innovative, outside the box thinkers who are just undaunted by failure. Because I mean, you've run tests as much as you know anybody. You know most of them fail, right? You cannot let that get in the way. You're just like, go, go, go. Yeah. But what that means is there's this balance also of you need to be independent, but you also need to be an influencer because growth is not about this one magical growth hacker in a corner doing whatever. It's a team sport. Yeah. So you not only need to be able to have the ability to have perspectives but also then be able to step back from your opinion right, and take in every other piece of data that's coming in your way. And whatever is the best, use that to influence the direction of where growth goes. Ah, yes. So internal influence, you're saying, with your peers, with your management team, whomever. Everybody. Yeah. So there's this balance of you know being a persuader while being an individualist. But you need those characteristics because that's what helps you be very independent. You can't wait for committee. Because growth is urgency, put differently. Yeah. You go. And that means persistence while remaining very results oriented. It's, the data takes you wherever it takes you. But at the same time, because you're trying to be innovative, you have to be risk taking. But then you have this sort of social component that brings everybody along and you motivate your team to come along for the ride with you. So, there, by definition, needs to be this characteristic of there will be challenges, there will be pressure, and there are some kinds of people that respond very positively to this, and there are some who don't. And you need to be the kind that responds positively to that, because that is the only way you can drive change you know, and challenge the status quo, and which also then plays into you're almost being visionary, but you have to include people in all of that planning. Yeah, so you got to set the direction, let people know where you're headed and why. And then have a thick skin and be relentless if you hit some bumps in the road or you pick the wrong road to quickly find another one. Those are my words, but I'm just trying to listen to what yeah, you're Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think, you know, let's say like COVID is, I think, the best example of this. <laughs> like things changed overnight. Right, totally. Right. There are some people who can handle that and some people who cannot. <laughs> right. Because there's some people who need the boat to move a little slowly. They need to move with it. Here it's like, 90 degrees, you're in a completely different direction now. That's really interesting. I mean, p- pity all the people in e-commerce, you know, at that point in time, <laughs> which is something I was doing at the time as well, like when COVID hit. Yeah. And it's almost like everything you knew about how people behave is different, mm-hmm. literally overnight, because people's priorities have changed. So you need to, A, not only be in that position where you understand, okay, stuff is different. Let me go find out more about why that happened. What is different? Boom, new direction. Everybody, old playbook out. We're moving this way now. 
new ideas this way. We are charging here. I feel like if you work in growth, you almost crave or expect that. It's like, hey, I know I'm going to be wrong and we're going to change direction so that when it happens, it just feels like a normal part of how you operate and not a disruption to the way that you used to do it. Uh, It's really interesting to use the COVID example. Uh, It's obviously an extreme one, but one that if you aren't able to make that pivot and make a drastic change, it's going to be really tough on you personally. Absolutely. And and, and that it encapsulates the need to be, even under normal circumstances, very fast-paced, willing to take charge and just try things in very new and unique ways. Yeah, that's cool. And so you shared your journey and how you educated yourself in this new space that going into it, you didn't know that much about, right? And how you just jumped in on Growth Hackers and you started posting questions and reading articles. And really, that's how you got started in growth. I'm curious to know for someone who's listening to this, who might just be starting in their growth journey, they're similar to you, they're on Growth Hackers, they're listening to podcasts like this and trying to apply some of these things. What advice would you give someone who's just starting to build their growth skill set? So I would do what I did not do earlier, which is forget everything else. Treat yourself like a product because you have complete control over this product. And I think you can apply the exact same mentality Right? Starting from scratch, like when we're trying to grow something, like the first question Sean would have us ask is, so, okay, so what is the North Star metric here? Right? What is the, that kernel of value and how do we quantify that value that we're going to deliver? Every one of us has some very distinct value that we provide. It may not be immediately apparent. We may be suffer, suffering from some imposter syndrome, but get over that. But every one of us has something very unique that at least a few other people may find valuable. And if a few people may find it valuable, I think we can go on the hunt to find some more people that could find those things valuable. But I think understanding more about, so what is it that I truly do? Like, I think just seriously ask yourself, like, why do people even engage with me on a normal basis? Like, what do they like about me? Why do they hang out with me? Why do they talk to me? When do they come to me for advice, if at all? Right? Or when do they come? What is the one thing people come to me for most? Right. So I'll give you a simple example, like from my, in my personal life, you know, in, the, in pre-COVID days, like I was the person everybody came to, to plan travel. Because I am the most anal travel planner there is on the planet. <laughs> like I'm the freak on page 20 of Google looking for that you know, one nugget that nobody else can find. So I think there are these inherent, innate skills that we have, which we may not necessarily think of as monetizable or anything like that. But I think if we just take a little deeper into what do I do most, what do I enjoy doing most, or what do people enjoy about me the most, I think you might start to hone in on what is my North Star metric for people. And if you can find that, then it's a matter of, okay, let me try and apply that simple funnel, right? How do I let people find out that I do this thing because somebody's going to like this or want it, right? Or... Because if somebody doesn't, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's a completely separate conversation. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you need to literally pivot your life into something else. And But I think the, what's important is the process. of So how do I find the kind of people that would find value in what I do or what I provide? And if I can do that, how do I make sure they have a great first experience with that? Mm-hmm. What makes the light bulb go off for people? How do I make that promise? And if I can do that, how do I get them to keep coming back for more of that gold? Do I even have more of the goal? Like maybe I need to learn some more and get better and, and improve the product, which is me, to be able to provide more gold. Like what is that thing that people would want 
to keep coming back. Right? So I think you learn as much about sort of the qualitative and the quantitative part of growing things through this process. And if you can get people coming back, maybe they'll pay for it because they keep coming back. They find it valuable. I don't know. Yeah. And if they're paying for it, heck, they sure as hell wouldn't mind telling their friends that they've got this awesome new resource at their disposal, which everybody should want to check out. And so there, I think there is this way to literally get your hands dirty by treating yourself as a product, because that is what teaches you the skill and the process. I don't think you have to wait for, I need to have a startup idea or I need to be working at X startup to be able to learn. I think that learning process can start today. If you can just understand what is so unique about me that you can put out into the world. It's cool. It's taking that same approach that you shared was the foundation of Sean's process initially, which is understanding your target audience and what's valuable to them and how your fit with that value is aligned. Uh, and it's just applying it to yourself, as you were saying, instead of a product. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I really wish I had done this. I really, really, because I find this, like if we talk about sort of failures and you know, one thing I don't think I ever got as good at because I didn't do this. Well, it's hard, right? It's hard to it's hard to zoom out and analyze yourself objectively, qualitatively, you know, even quantitative. Like it's hard when it's your project. It's even harder when you are the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just and, and a tough honest, thing. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like I've had people tell me, and I know this for a fact, and I have reasons and excuses for all of this. But I've had people tell me, "You goddamn work with Sean Ellis. Why is your profile not larger? <laughs> like, why don't more people know about you?" And why don't they? Right, and you know, I'll be the first one to admit that I'm better at retention than acquisition. (laughs) (laughs) And this was, you know, partially also exacerbated, or I guess I was lulled into this at Growth Hackers because we never had an acquisition problem. Mm -hmm. We always had retention problems uh, because people would sign up like in droves every day. Yeah, we never did any paid marketing, nothing, like literally zero spend. People would just show up. And so, again, personal failing on my part that I didn't go out of my way to say, okay, I don't have a retention problem, but there's still things I can learn. And I should dedicate some time to doing that, to learn more about how to acquire people in different ways. Sure. And as we start to wrap here, let's work on that acquisition problem. If there are folks out there who want to follow you, where can they check you out? Are you still on Twitter? Are you still active? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Twitter is still my life. Uh, I'm on there every day. Also on LinkedIn, uh, I am the only Anuj Adhiya on <laughs> Twitter and on LinkedIn. If you find any others, I'm the only one worth following. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if you're so moved, definitely check out the book because I wrote that book for myself five years or six years ago when I first le- started learning about growth and is the book I wish I had. Even though I was amongst the luckiest people in the world to have access to somebody like Sean, I still had to translate his speak into my I don't know anything speak. And so that book is literally written for the dummy that I was six years ago. So super cool. We'll include a link to the book in the show notes and in the comments and stuff like that so that folks can check it out. Yeah, totally. Thanks. Noosh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate you sharing your journey. Fascinating how you've gotten here. What's next for you? So I just recently joined this place called Sophia which is a very interesting place right now because a lot of people complain a lot about, hey, remote work sucks and remote everything sucks. And uh, I think Sophia is maybe the first attempt that I've seen that 
bridges the gap between the way we collaborate and interact online today and the world where you need a headset and brings more lifelike interactions through the use of uh, online avatars to collapse every need for connecting into one spot whether it's meetings whether it's events whether it's birthday parties maybe you'll record a future podcast in there and there'll be a live audience watching and waiting you know waiting to ask questions in there uh, and so that's a very exciting space to be in right now to extend and enhance people's presences online and almost bring back the joy and delight of meeting each other and serendipitous interactions yet again. You would love that. So definitely come check out Sophia. Yeah, love that. And can't wait to check it out after we hang up and uh, end the recording here. Yeah, totally. This was, this was a lot of fun. Anuj, thanks so much, man. Appreciate your time and hearing a lot about your journey. Take care, man. All right, you too.